0: Hey, friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 237. Our guest today is the chairman and CEO of arguably the most iconic horse show in the United States, the Devon Horse Show. The Devon Horse Show and County Fair is the oldest and largest outdoor multi breed horse show in the country. I look forward to my clients competing there every year with the beautiful Devon Blue Stands at the end of May, beginning of June every year. But it is known for so much more than Hunter Jumper. It has so many different breeds and disciplines showcased. So here to talk about the lovely Devon Horse Show, Chairman and CEO Wayne Grafton. I'm so excited to hear about Devon. It is definitely one of my favorite horse shows. But first, tell me a little bit about how you first got into the equestrian world.
1: Well, um, I will tell you that uh, I grew up on the Philadelphia main line. So I've been around here a long time. And uh, my parents used to bring me to the Devon Horse Show when I was a child. And I was thinking about how long ago that was. And all I'll admit to is I know it was over 50 years ago. Okay. Uh, That said, uh, as I uh, developed into a young man, went off to college, got married and came back, uh, married a woman that was into horses, uh, and uh, she was from the Midwest. We came back, and we aspired to own a farm. We subsequently uh, bought a farm near the Devon Horse Show, and we were into uh, riding and the hunt through the hunt country. And uh, by attending the Devon Horse Show, Uh, I was uh, focused on the driving or coaching component, uh, not only from a horse perspective, but the history of the the various coaches. And so that uh, became something that uh, aroused my interest. And uh, my wife and I, then uh, they got into driving. We've been doing that for probably 35 years we went through the normal evolution of driving over those 35 years we you, you learn then you move into the various levels of driving um, and uh, we have given up uh competitive uh driving but we do pleasure drives we go to the hunts uh we'll be driving with a friend of ours at winter here this coming sunday and we'll be going down to uh, the radnor hunt for that drive and then subsequently, we'll be uh, here, at Devon, at the end of the month.
0: Amazing. Do you remember your first um, with your first experience of attending Devon? Like what that felt like. What what kind of your reaction was to experiencing what Devon is.
1: Well, I think uh, my recollection of that experience, and again, it was a long time ago. Was I was amazed that uh, the show went on for so many days, and that there were so many different types of classes that I was being exposed to. And it was more of a learning curve for me, uh, just watching and observing and the uh, interaction of the competitor to the crowd. Uh, And I've been at other horse shows as a youngster, but I never experienced uh, the level of competition as close to the... uh, uh, crowd as the Devon experience was. Like, I think that uh, in retrospect, that initial reaction to, uh, to a great extent is the same reaction I have today is one of the features that makes Devon different from a lot of other shows.
0: So how did you first get involved at the Devon Horse Show? What was your kind of initial role in it?
1: Well, my initial role that started is uh, simply someone coming to watch the show. Uh, Then I uh, was brought into some of the various committees uh, that we have on the grounds. And I was very active for a period of time in our hospitality committee. Um, I was then becoming involved in the competition. My wife was the whip uh, in coaching. And we did that for a number of years and we enjoyed it. And, uh, those, uh, marathon drives that Devin has on the first Sunday was, uh, a lot of fun for us to interact with uh, people of similar interest and, uh, enjoy the quality of their vehicles, the quality of their turnouts, and of course the judging itself. So my, uh, initial entree into the Devin hierarchy was through probably the volunteer committee and the, uh, coaching classes.
0: What were you doing at the time with um, your life and your career and equestrian sport when you transitioned kind of out of that volunteer role into more of a active position?
1: My career was spent as a land use planner and uh, was a land use planner until I retired about five years ago. And uh, I envisioned a whole different retirement than I currently am experiencing. Uh, I did not realize that Devin would be that uh, pronounced in my plans. Uh, I was asked to join the board. I did join the board. Subsequent to that, I was elected as chairman of the board. And uh, the responsibilities grew. And over a period of years, I became not only the chairman, but the CEO of the Devon Horse Show. And what that means is that uh, it's akin to a full-time job for a retired person. Uh, so I spend uh, most of my days, most of my hours, 12 months a year, on some aspect of the organization. I know everybody thinks of Devon as a, uh, a, a show with a defined period of competition, but planning for the show, Getting contracts in place, getting maintenance done, dealing with the myriad of issues that we're confronted with is a 12 month uh, job.
0: Now that we are weeks out, I know for me, my experience of Devon has been the Hunter Jumper shows that you offer. What does that kind of look like for you and your schedule leading, you know, these couple weeks leading up to that event?
1: Well, obviously, we're uh, in the process of closing out uh, the entries for this show uh, with the entries uh, a lot of different factors from that aspect of our uh, organization kick in the gear for example getting the program with the entries listed in it off to the printer uh, getting the uh, cleanup of uh, certain parts of the grounds getting the uh, putting put back in uh, stalls, Uh, coordinating with the suppliers for hay and feed, coordinating with uh, other vendors coming onto the grounds. So everything becomes sort of activation from about May 1st through the date of the show, about 30 days out. Everything is focused on activation. And it's a shift because prior to that, the focus is on contracts, insurance, permits, and so forth.
0: I feel like there are so many iconic aspects to Devon, especially like one thing that always comes to mind is the like Devon blue that is everywhere throughout the show. Is there a story behind the color?
1: Well, there's a story about the color. Uh, I've heard the story. I believe it to be true. And I've not heard any conflicting stories. But the Devon blue, as I understand it, emanates from the old Devon Inn which was across the street from Devon, where the horse show began. And the roof of the Old Devon Inn was a blue-colored slate. And so as the horse show grew from the lawn of the uh, Old Devon Inn to the polar field adjacent to the Devon Inn to its present location, which was purchased around uh, 1920, uh, the evolution of trying to keep tying back some of the characteristics of the old show picked up the Devon blue color. And of course, today it's a color that I think is recognized by everyone.
0: Another iconic part of Devon is the inclusion of several disciplines, which we don't, I think many people maybe don't know about. Um, how do you? kind of decide what the venue is ideal for? I mean, when you started your role, did you change different events that took place or added or took out? What did that kind of look like for you in your transition? And and tell me a little bit about the different things that Devon offers.
1: Well, I think it's it's, uh, fair to say, Devon is the uh, oldest outdoor uh, and largest outdoor multi-breed, show in North America. Wow. So we, we try to uh, incorporate uh, as many activities in our 11-day program as possible. Now, what I've witnessed uh, in the uh, short time I've been at the helm, which is now uh, going into my eighth year, um, is that uh, the industry is changing as well. And some of the needs are changing. So programmatically, one of the biggest uh, additions I've seen in those eight years was uh, the addition of the arena eventing. Now, when you bring in a new activity, you bring in a new uh, constituency that's in support of that. I found that the arena uh, eventing brought in a much younger crowd who, while they're involved in equestrian competition in sports, weren't necessarily uh, our box holders. So the first year we had it, we had empty boxes because all our box holders went home. But the young people in that sport were uh, five deep around the Dixon Oval and demonstrated not only interest, but a passion. And so we've incorporated that into our programming. And now it's uh, a big activity on Sunday night uh, before Memorial Day here at the Showgrounds. So that would be one type of change. As we become aware of uh, changes uh, uh, brought on by competitors or interest groups, we look at them, we test them, uh, and we uh, try to see if it's a fit for Devon and how we would fit it uh, going forward. And that's, that's probably our classic case in the last eight years that I can point to.
0: The main arena you um, just mentioned is the Dixon Oval. Is there a story behind that name too?
1: Well, it wasn't always the Dixon Oval. It used to be the Wanamaker Oval. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dixon uh, took over sponsorship of that Oval. They've been responsible for the uh, funding, the maintenance, uh, the footing in the Dixon Oval. It's been redone two times in the eight years I've been here uh, as chairman. Uh, most recently, uh, first uh, about a year ago now, and as you know, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and the cancellation of the show, this will be the first time the Dixon Oval was used by Devin on that new footing. Uh, Mrs. Dixon is alive. Mr. Dixon has passed. She does show up at the show. Uh, she's a wonderful supporter of our organization. And the family has just been as uh, nice as they can be to Devin.
0: This episode is so graciously brought to you by Redding Goat Equestrian. Redding Goat Equestrian created outerwear pieces that are waterproof, breathable, and insulated in one technical piece. Yes, top and bottom in one piece. That is perfect whether you're riding in sub zero temperatures or in a monsoon of rain. And let's be honest, I'm a Floridian and I still wear it during our Florida winters. It is amazing. They also have tons of pockets and pouches to stash your keys, your phone, spurs, you name it. And it also has a beautiful silhouette, so it doesn't look super bulky. You need to see this for yourself, so head on over to Red and Goat Equestrian, that's R-E-D-I-N-G-O-T-E-Equestrian.com, and you can check out for yourself, see their winter insulated gear as well as their rain gear. Also, be sure to use the code PODCAST, and you'll receive a free tote with any purchase of a suit. Thanks so much, Red and Goat Equestrian. All right, let's head on back to the episode. The Devon Horse Show is celebrating its 125th year, which is... Oh, we
1: just finished the hundred.
0: Yeah, so exciting. That's so cool. Are there any, um, you know, over this year, certain things that you did special or any type of celebrations you did to honor that?
1: Yeah, we did a, <clears throat> a couple of things that, uh, in honor of our 125th year. Uh, let me start with the old wall of honor at... Uh, the Devon Horshaw on the side of the committee stand, uh, that wall of honor had literally gotten old and was not maintained. So we began what we call the 1896 Society uh, five years ago uh, to fund capital improvements on the grounds. And we dedicated the old wall of honor as our 1896 wall uh, for people that funded into the capital improvements. I'm happy to report in the uh, last five years, the uh, society's raised over five and a half million dollars for ground improvements, 100% of which went back into property improvements. And they include things not only like the rings, reconstruction of stalls, reconstruction of barns, paving, roofing, electric stormwater. The new buildings of the Devon Club, the Exhibitor's Lounge, the Groom's Kitchen, Bender Sheds have all had significant changes made to them as the result of the 1896 Society. Uh, Also, while trying to dance through the different uh, changes uh, relative to pandemic rules, we last October uh, celebrated uh, the first Legends event. For the Devon Horse Show. I was held over at uh, Marion Cricket Club, where we inducted the first 20 legends of the Devon Horse Show. And we're preparing to have our second induction this coming October, uh, again at Marion, with 20 new legends who will be inducted. And then finally, uh, the last weekend, we ended the 125th year with uh, the 125th year gala, and uh, that sort of concluded that anniversary celebration. And uh, effective May one, or a day or two ago, uh, we now kick into the 126th year.
0: That's amazing. I mean, that yeah, that's such a monumental thing. So, um, speaking of, um, you were talking about. All of the money that is raised and um, kind of through that. Philanthropy, I feel like in general, is very important to the Devon Horse Show. I think you are the largest contributor to the Bryn Mawr Hospital. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yes. Uh, and you have to go back in time to truly understand this. Uh, back in the 1920s, Dr. Thomas Ashton, who was the chairman of the Devon Horse Show, was also on the staff as a physician of uh, Bryn Mawr Hospital. He's the one that uh, uh, initially brought the horse show to the hospital uh, as a contributor with the hospital being our beneficiary. Uh, the relationship of uh, the horse show to the hospital goes over hundred years in length at this point in time. And the cumulative uh, donations from the horse show to the hospital, is in the vicinity of 18 to 20 million dollars in today's uh, numbers wow uh we are currently engaged in a uh, two million dollar donation it's a multi-year donation and it's for behavioral health unit at the hospital we're proud uh, of our relationship with the hospital the hospital steps forward and uh, supports us with volunteers i sit on the hospital uh, foundation board by virtue of being the chairman and CEO of the Devon Horse Show. And uh, we found ourselves a wonderful partner as a beneficiary that's lasted uh, over 100 years. I hope that lasts another 100.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Obviously, organizing such a large and prestigious horse show cannot be without its challenges. What would you say are some of the maybe more challenging or difficult aspects to producing a show of this caliber?
1: Well, let me start out by saying I have a wonderful staff. Uh, We have uh, nine full-time employees, four part-time employees uh, year-round. But uh, the Devon Horse Show is one of the few shows that exist based upon a volunteer base. Uh, There's not many horse shows that I'm aware of. That the scale that have the number of volunteers that we have to bring forward yeah. in the vicinity of uh, 2000 individuals is what you wow. need to be thinking about to pull the Devin Bush show off. And that's a challenge. Uh, aside from bringing our volunteers together, uh, the other challenges, of course, are the physical facility, getting it ready, uh, trying to make sure everything is working and operational. Getting entries uh, all put on the books and ready to go. Have our sponsors dealt with for the show, uh, and on the sponsor front, you know we're almost a million dollars in prize money at this point for the 11 days, so they become an important component. We're trying to keep happy, coordinating with our competitors, and uh, the community outreach is also an important component. Um, you say you come to Devon. I will tell you that if you're here many evenings, uh, you won't see any boxes that are empty, uh, particularly Grand Prix night uh, you can't get through the gates. so we have had uh, situations where we've literally had to stop sales of general tickets coming onto the grounds because of capacity issues.
0: Wow. I think that that is so special that to create an event where outside non-equestrian spectators want to join, I think is such an accomplishment and something that is going to continue the life of our sport um, to be able to um, attract outside audience.
1: And I think the uh, the history of Devon as it relates to the mainline, the enthusiasm of the community to have Devon, uh, it, it starts, it's a signal to summer. It's uh, between Devon and going to the shore in the Philadelphia market. Uh, both of them are a major signal. Uh, we have a base of families that were with us back in the 1920 era and that their heirs still have boxes at the Devon Horse Show to this day. Oh, wow. They're passed down from generation to generation. And the engagement of the entire community primarily brought on by uh, the need for our volunteer base.
0: Obviously, you've been a part of the Devon Horse Show for some time now. Do you have a memory um, that kind of sticks out in your head as being extra special or your favorite?
1: Well, uh, that's a tough question. You know, (laughs) it changes from year to year. Uh, but I, I think in reflecting back, I think my years uh, on the other side of the table competing was as exciting for myself, my wife, and my family as any portion of my participation in the Devon Moore show has been. Uh, when you transition from competitor to trying to organize the show, uh, organization becomes uh a memory—I wouldn't say it's the favorite memory, but a significant memory of all the people that put time in, and all the necessary communication, and coordination that takes place—that most people don't see—would be a, a memory that I will always remember.
0: And I can imagine that it was very beneficial for you to have been on the other side as a competitor to now then transitioning over to coordinating and running the event um, to really kind of have that that mindset of what your different exhibitors and and competitors would want for a horse show.
1: Yeah, I think you understand some of the programmatic problems that occur some of the operational problems that occur and it's not that you uh, can foresee all of them or, or are prepared for it. anything can happen uh, on a moment's notice that is totally unexpected
0: what would you say is an area of the equestrian industry that you are passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about
1: Well, I I think it's uh, not that they don't know about it, not that they don't talk about it, but I think it's the the same thing that I mentioned earlier that makes Devon special. And that is uh, for the horse industry and horse competition to uh, sustain itself going forward. It's more than the competition. It's the engagement of the community and the community support Having the community come out, enjoy the sport, get educated by observing the sport, and participating by sponsoring uh, activities that the sport is uh, conducting, buying tickets to come into the show and see the show. So there's a synergy between the benefits that the competitor has and uh, what the competitor needs. To further the sport as well as themselves. Having the crowd go crazy as you come across the uh, finish line of a a class um, is as rewarding to a competitor uh, that you uh, sometimes dismiss as a a flash in the pan. That's a memory that the competitor will have, it's a memory that the organization will have, it's a memory that the Uh, community will have at the end of the day. We have, uh, and I won't call names out here, but we have one competitor that's won a Grand Prix on several occasions in the recent past, and uh, his uh, energy in winning that Grand Prix multiple times has brought about electricity to the crowd when he comes onto the grounds. So uh, that's the benefit uh, that I think that I witnessed that I would hope that other people be more aware of. And it's really what I think we're all here about, not only winning a horse show or participating in a horse show, but furthering uh, equestrian events and interest.
0: Definitely. Well said. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for taking the time and giving us a little history of the Devon horse show. I know it's many many equestrians favorite event so um i know i'm excited to attend very soon here and um but thank you for putting on such a great event and i wish you all the best
1: well thank you bethany i look forward to seeing you when you're here let me know when you're on the grants.
0: all right that is all i have for you today thank you so much for tuning in if you liked what you heard please take a minute and write a review on itunes i would so appreciate it it helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests Thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week.